So I was just about to come on here to give uh, credit to the Giants because they were moving the ball down the field. Saquon, big run. Jaden Hyatt, I mentioned, he's actually, you know, created some separation. It's just that the, the they don't have a quarterback to give him the ball. Offensive line falling apart, and you just don't have that, that guy who can air it out. Uh, I was going to come on and give them some credit because they had moved the, the ball uh, nearing the red zone on New England on the opening drive. And then, of course, uh, Wondell Robinson on, like, this uh, design run where he's coming through the backfield, fumbled it, and now the Patriots have the ball. Mac Jones, 3-0 record at MetLife Stadium. One of those wins came with me in attendance week three. I was miserable in the rain. We had our 98-7 ESPN uh, tailgate event. Uh, so the Patriots get the ball. They now have it uh, in their own territory looking to put some points on the board. Mac Jones ended up getting the start over Bailey Zappi, who he had gotten benched for in that game of London or Germany, wherever it was. Uh, but we'll keep you posted the rest of the way on this game. And there are a couple of things that are coming through my mind. Harvey posed to me what was just a hilarious question. And I threw it on Twitter, at Ty D. Butler. Who wins more games the rest of the season? Is it the Jets? Or is it the Giants? And honestly, like if you take a look at the schedule, the Giants have more quote unquote winnable games. And they, I guess you could make a strong case that they have a quarterback you trust more, right? Whether it's Tommy DeVito or uh, Tyrod Taylor when he gets back, you trust those guys more than, than you would um, who the Jets have. And this game is just uh, drunk already. So the Patriots on a third and two, like can't figure out like what level of bad they want to be. Is it let's fumble the snap bad or while fumbling the snap, take a delay a game penalty? <laughs> so now it's third and seven. This game's gonna be hilarious because it's two bad teams that this year could not have gotten out of their own way. They've got a combined five wins on the season. And, you know, it's a far cry from what we're used to with Jets-Patriots because those were fun back in the day. Those were fun. And I, and I posed the question to the Giant fans, what are you rooting for? Because you, you don't want to see them win games, but you also don't want to root for your team to lose. And me, watching this, because you got to root for a team. I'm a Jet fan. Who would I root for? Who, do I root for the Patriots or do I root for the Giants? It's all fun in games rooting against the Patriots until they're in position to draft the top quarterback. That's not fun. They get their next Tom Brady. And now you're in a division with Josh Allen, Tua, and whoever the Patriots draft. Which is why I also hope they end up firing Bill Belichick. I know like he deserves a lot of criticism. Not Maybe he's, he's lost a little bit off of his fastball as far as a coach. Because they just, at some points during games, make mistakes that you've never seen Belichick coach teams make. You could say whether maybe it's the personnel. Problem is he picks the personnel. So that's where you got to really crush him for. I hope they fire Bill Belichick because I don't want to be going up against him anymore. He, he's giving me pain. Jets have lost, what, 16 straight games to the Patriots? They played on week 18 this year. But I, if I'm rooting for uh, against the Patriots, I'm, that means I'm rooting for the Giants. And let's be honest. You know how annoying it would be? For Jet fans, if the Giants landed another franchise quarterback, we've been looking for a quarterback my entire life. The Giants had Eli, who never missed a start, won two Super Bowls. Then they hand the baton over to Daniel Jones, who, look, wasn't great, and it's not going to pan out. 
but at least he got them to the playoffs, won a playoff game, and then they end up with one of the best quarterbacks in this upcoming draft. That's not going to be fun for me. I got to listen to Tom Bauer and, and, and Harvey Cruz wax poetic about you know, Caleb Williams. Oh, I, I can't have that happen. Yeah, I don't think you'd want that to happen either. I don't know. Who do I root for in this game? Who, should, who do you think I should root for? Well, let me, let me put it from my perspective. I'll repeat what I said earlier. I want to see this team succeed. I want to see the guys that are on this team continue to get opportunities in the NFL in the future. Wins make a statement, and they give you more notoriety, and they will put you on a scale a little bit more compared to being a really, really terrible team and having less wins that the Giants probably should have at this point in the season. But at the same time, you do want them to lose because you want the betterment of their future. So you got to either think short-term if you want that short-term success, that adrenaline rush in the short-term, or if you want to save it for the long-term. So it's really up to you in that regard. I, I agree with that. And from the Giants' standpoint, look, the only benefit to the team performing well is not the overhang of, well, did they quit on their head coach or did he lose the locker room? Once you eliminate that, you feel better going forward because you do still feel like you have a guy who can coach. And once he gets his hands on the next quarterback, he can groom and develop said quarterback. Otherwise, you could go from possibly getting the number one pick in the draft to being outside the top five. And I, I went through Tankathon earlier with you guys. And, you know, the Giants come into this game three wins. Let's, let's say they win this and they get to four. Then you're right there with... Washington, uh, the Jets, Atlanta, Tampa, uh, L.A., both the Chargers and the Rams, who all have four wins. The Rams, that takes you to 12. They'd be picking 12th in this draft. Then you get to the teams with five wins. Uh, the Packers, the Raiders, the Colts, the Broncos, and the, uh, the, uh, the Bengals, as Jalen Hyatt makes another Catch for a first down along the sidelines. That dude is fast, man. He, he's going to be a weapon for the Giants going forward. Yo, Giant fans, don't give up on, on him too quick. I know, like, you were expecting more just because we heard all about his speed in training camp. Once he figures out uh, the timing with the, the next quarterback, that's going to be a home run hitter. And then shout out to him. He's wearing number 13, so Giant fans got to love that. Uh, but the difference between... Uh, right now, three wins and five wins on Tankathon is the difference between having the fourth pick and the 17th pick. And that's just two wins. So uh, these games could be costly if you win too many of them going forward. I get it. You don't want to see your team lose, but long term, it's the best thing. As far as what the Giants have to look forward to, look, for all the criticism that Kayvon received, he has certainly lived up to the hype. And more as as the number five pick in the draft. Ten and a half sacks. There's obviously a, a chance, an outside chance, he can be the sack leader this year. Miles Garrett is at number one with 13. He's two and a half shy of that. Kayvon's been awesome. And, you know, you, you, you understand the trepidation about him, some of it with the behavior stuff, the attitude. But on the field, he is, I, I think you can't even argue, been one of their best players this year. Like, who's in the conversation? Can't say Andrew Thomas. He's been hurt. Barkley's been really good, but he's missed three games. They haven't had anything at quarterback. Waller's been hurt and ineffective when he played. Has Kayvon been the best player on the team for the Giants this year? I think you could certainly make that case, right, Tom? Like, am I off base saying that? 
I think you can make certainly the case. I think he's certainly been one of the most consistent players on this team this year, and that's not really saying a whole lot, but <laughs> any shining spot on this Giants organization instantly puts them into the category of are they the best player on this team this year? So, yeah, yeah your reason fair. there. Not not a lot to uh, pick from as far as the bunch. But, yeah, yeah Bobby Okereke certainly has been a difference maker on that defense. He he just plays with such ferocity, and it, and it is a game changer. And you wonder with all these pieces how much better they would look if they actually didn't suffer all these injuries. It's the same thing. The Jets and Giants are having the same season. The Jets' ceiling was higher just because of who they had at quarterback. But the Giants, I I picked them to make the playoffs. I didn't see this step back. And people are going to say, like, yeah, they were right about the Giants taking a step back. But it's not for the reasons that they thought. You didn't think Daniel Jones was going to get hurt. You didn't think their offensive line would be ravaged by injuries. You didn't think any of those things would happen. But it's the same season. It's been just a, a, a nightmare in, in football for for both the New York teams with the Jets and the Giants. 800-919-3776. I have a very hot New York sports take coming up. Very hot. I think it, it is going to be sizzling, and it's going to send shockwaves through the control room. So let's do that next right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show. On 98.7 ESPN. Love it. This is one of my favorite songs, man. La di da That Dougie Fresh, Slick Rick, one of my favorite songs. 800-919-3776. Ty Butler going until 2 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN, leading you into uh, the Larry Hardesty Show, the Sunday Drive. My, boy, my man Larry Hardesty is going to be bringing you to fire, bringing you to heat. Giants right now. Scoreless so far at that game against the Patriots. Had a lot happening. Already a lot going on. Turnover for Wondell Robinson. Fumbled the the, uh, exchange. Mac Jones fumbled the snap, but it was uh, nullified by a a delay of game penalty. So, so much happening. Jets uh, off today, of course. They lost on Friday, on Black Friday, the first ever Black Friday game for the NFL which you would imagine is going to become a staple going forward. Uh, but, yeah, that's the state of our New York football teams. I just threw it out on Twitter. Um, who do you think is going to win more games this year, the Jets or the Giants? The fact that this is a conversation now is hilarious, but 52% of the audience so far going with the New York Giants. Hit me on Twitter, at Ty D. Butler, and head there to get your vote in. Uh, Jordan Renan put this out as he quote-tweeted the report from uh, Jay Glazer, uh, that there's some tension between both Wink Martindale and Brian Dable that could lead to a divorce at some point, uh, either this season or at the end of the season. Uh, Jordan Renan put on Twitter, you could see some of this festering. Wink Martindale wasn't happy with the whole Xavier McKinney incident. Brian Dable had McKinney break down the team after last week's win to scapegoat the coordinator of the team's best unit for a team that has the 32nd wrecked offense. Uh, 32nd ranked offense would be ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. When you look at the Giants this year, and that's why I mentioned it uh, with Kafka, because he could lose his job. And now if Wink loses his job, you're going into a, uh, to the offseason looking for two new coordinators. And how bad of a look would that be for Dable 
where you're putting the culpability and the blame on the, the defensive coordinator when the offense is the problem. And that's not to say that you can't fire the coordinator because you know he has every right to do that. It's his staff, and he feels like there are some upgrades needed to get them to their next level. Then he has every right to do that. It just wouldn't be a good look um, if, let's say, Kafka keeps his job. I just don't think that would be a great look. 800-919-3776. I said uh, I was writing you guys for a hot take. And I'm not doing this to, you know, to, to strike a nerve. I'm not doing this to get some attention. It's, it's a thought I had watching basketball on Friday night. As the Knicks are en route to a 21-point comeback against the Eastern Conference defending champion Miami Heat. And, you know, it's the first time they had played them since Game 6 in the playoffs. This game meant a lot to that group. It's pretty much the same roster uh, for the Knicks. It was a, a devastating loss. They were staring at a Game 7 at home in their building with a chance to get to the Conference Finals, which would have just been amazing. Like, it just would have been an incredible accomplishment. So now in that game, the Knicks, who had been playing well, it's the in-season tournament. They're, a loss knocks them out of it. A win keeps them in the dance. They're down 21, and then the fireworks come. Bench mob keeps them in the game. Then we see late game heroics by you know, quickly R.J. Barrett and one uh, that gave them the lead for good. You had Jalen Brunson hit a big time shot, missed a free throw that could have cost them. But, you know, R.J. Barrett did an excellent job defending Jimmy Butler or what would have been the game um, winning three pointer. Knicks didn't have any timeouts left at that point. And that would have just been a devastating loss. But they win the game. They're back in action tonight against the Suns. We'll see if Kevin Durant plays. He's a game-time decision. But there's still going to be uh, a lot of work to do defending that Suns offense. That Even though with no Bradley Beal in the lineup, they still have Devin Booker, one of the game's elite scorers, coming off a 40-point game. Uh, Suns have won, what is it, five straight since that loss uh, to the Thunder. Yeah, they've won... One, two, three, four, five, six straight games the Suns have won. So Knicks have their hands full tonight whether or not Durant plays. But here's the hot take. The Knicks are closer to winning a championship than the Yankees. Bing bong! They are. If I asked you this, who right now do you see winning a championship first? Like just as presently constructed. Is it the Knicks or is it the Yankees? Now, let's focus on the Knicks part of this. If the NBA playoffs were NCAA style, the Knicks could absolutely win the title, which is why like the in-season tournament excites me and fascinates me because they, if they get into it, you could see them getting hot enough to, to win this because on any given night when this, when this team plays at its best, they can beat anyone. The problem is they just don't have that prerequisite, which is the superstar needed to shoulder the load for the duration of four playoff rounds. They're not winning four consecutive playoff rounds with this team because on opposite ends of the, uh, of the bracket, you have the Celtics, you have the Bucks, and getting past Giannis and Brown, getting past, oh, I said Giannis and Brown, getting past Giannis and Dame, I should say, getting past Tatum and Brown is going to require you to have at least one superstar, and the Knicks don't have that. They have a really good team, a sensational team. They are very well coached. They play elite defense. 
The rebounding on both ends is stellar, which, uh, of course, you know, signifies the ending to a great defensive possession or can rebirth an offensive possession where you have the Knicks who can hit threes and all of a sudden your defense, you go from getting a stop to up, here's a three-pointer that just crushes you. So they do a lot of things very well. They just don't have a superstar. That's the thing. They don't have a superstar. But on any given night during a regular season, they can beat anybody. And we just saw them last year get to the second round, push Miami to six games. Miami, who went on to go to the NBA Finals. Miami, who had beaten the Bucs in five games. That Miami team, they pushed them to six. Maybe could have gotten to a game seven, and then who the hell knows what happens. But I feel better about them right now because of the, the structure that's in place. And we're still waiting for Leon Rose to make that big move to acquire the star. Like, you got Jalen Brunson, and he's been fantastic, but we're waiting for that heavy-handed, let's go get the superstar. And who's that guy? Because we thought maybe it could be Giannis. He was, he, he was making his voice heard. He was publicizing, yeah, don't just pencil me in for an extension if we're not going to be winning championships. And then they go out there and get Dame. He's happy. He's paid. He gets the extension. Take Giannis off the table. For a while, we talked about Jalen Brown, even though I don't think Jalen Brown is that superstar that I'm talking about. Joel Embiid became the next name. Won an MVP last year. He's a scoring champion. We know that he's one of the, what, seven best players in basketball. But right now, the Sixers, they've weathered that James Harden storm. They are playing very well. They won again last night, beat the Thunder. So at least for the moment, Embiid is happy. So who's the star you're going to go out there and get? Who, who's that person? That's going to help elevate you to championship contention. What I feel great about, though, is they have the assets to do it. The young players, they have all these first-round draft picks, and they have a nice structure, a nice core in place, where even if you got to part with some of these pieces, you still have your Brunson, you still have your RJ, you still have Randall, assuming you can keep those guys. You still have them here. DiVincenzo has been awesome. I love Hartenstein off the bench quickly he's gonna get that bag and he might be actually be one of the guys you got to part with to get the next player but as long as you have the, the foundation in, in place and the, the draft capital with the head coach and a front office that seems to be doing things the right way you have to feel good about whenever that next superstar becomes available the Knicks will be in position to get him so I feel good about them going forward you cannot be a Knicks fan right now and, and be pessimistic you can lament, oh, it's another year where we'll just make the playoffs and that becomes a thing, but it, 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 it's, it, it's the highest you have to have been in, in quite some time because this, not, this ain't just an aberration. They're showing you right now. Last year, us getting to the second round, that's not an aberration. We are a, a legitimate team. We are a team to be reckoned with. And even though we can't win a championship because we're not beating Boston, we're not beating Milwaukee, they, they're not going to take us lightly. That's not going to be a series that's over in five games. We're going to have a lot to say about that. I just feel good about the direction and where they're headed. Whereas the Yankees, I am as down on them as I've been in quite some time. They are not as close as they seem to think they are. And the arrogance of the organization is what's ultimately going to hold them back continuously. They're just not the New York Yankees. And, you know, like, I, I used to get so annoyed listening to people 
you know, chastise Yankee fans for their complaints. And it's like, oh, you're a spoiled Yankee fan. Yeah, and then that tune seemed to change when we saw this year how embarrassing it got. Oh, you're a Yankee fan. You make the playoffs every year. I'm tired of people saying the Yankees make the playoffs every year. Guys, they missed the playoffs in 2013. Missed the playoffs in 2014. Missed the playoffs in 2016. Missed the playoffs this past year. That's, that's four times in the last decade they've missed the playoffs. So we keep that kind of just saying, oh, yeah, you know, you have a GM that, that gets you into the playoffs every year. Except that's not true. It's just something people say because they're accustomed to saying it. I just gave you four instances. Going back to 2015, or uh, 2013, I should say. Four times in the last decade they've missed the playoffs. So, yeah, they're consistently relevant. But when has that been the standard? When did when did that become the standard? And, look, if they go out there and get Juan Soto, obviously that changes the tenor of this conversation. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they're going to end up with Soto. For the most part, I could see them running the same team back next year. And what has to give you pause, what has to, you know, discourage you is we've seen – who are the two best players on the Yankees? Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge. We saw Garrett Cole get the highest honor you can achieve as a pitcher, winning the Cy Young. We saw Aaron Judge get the highest honor you can achieve as a position player, getting the MVP. In the last two seasons, that happened successively. What has it resulted in? One series win for the Yankees. They've had actually one series win in the last three years. One series win in the last three years. They went three and six in the playoffs last year. And folks want to, oh, you know, they made the championship series. Stop it. They're not close. They want you to think they are because they want you to think they're smarter than everyone, which is why Brian Cashman embarrassed himself with all the, the cursing he did at the reporters trying to defend what's been just, you know, shortcomings the last three seasons, at, at least three seasons at least. So that's why I'm as down on them as, as I am. And I don't think it's going to be getting better. Because you do have to wonder, at some point Aaron Judge is going to show some age. At some point Garrett Cole is going to show some age. This is the best that these guys are ever going to be. 62 home runs. Cy Young. They're not getting better than this. You're wasting their primes. You're wasting the primes of your two best players. And I don't want to hear about, well, at least we make the playoffs. Guys, it's hard to, like, this year was an outlier because we see a lot of teams that's, like, the Padres, the Mets, the Yankees spent a lot of money, missed the playoffs. It's hard to be a consistent top-tier spender and not make the playoffs. You get six playoff spots. You better make the playoffs. I'm not going to praise you for that. But, yeah, I, I just think the Knicks are closer right now than the Yankees. And, again, it's not to say that the Knicks are going to win a championship this year. I just feel better about their future than I do about the Yankee future. That's, I, I just feel better about that. And quickly, I want to touch on the in-season tournament. Hey, many people are still confused by it. There's still a lot of questions. Like They understand games are being played on Tuesday and Friday nights, and the courts are obnoxious, but they can't figure out how it actually works. Uh, even some of the players participating were confused. Like they, they, There were some players that were like, yeah, I don't really know what's going on. Uh, I know there's some payout at the end. There's a Vegas trip involved. It, it, it was just mystifying. It, it was a lot of uh, hazy details. But it's clearly working. The ratings are up. 
and you hear players discussing how badly they they want to win this. You know, Jalen Brunson after uh, the Nick win on Friday night talked about how yeah, this matters. He's like, we're athletes, we're competitors, we're conditioned to want to win everything. Whenever there are stakes involved, we want to go for it. And I remember about a month ago, uh, after the Lakers had come back to to beat Phoenix. Uh, in a game, uh, in one of these in-season tournament games that, you know, Anthony Davis came out, and he wouldn't name who the player was, but he said, yes, we have a teammate in this locker room who said, you know, $500,000? That's, I've never seen that before. So then that motivated uh, them to want to win this because that's life-changing money for some of these guys. Of course, like, you know, you don't look at it that way because we're, we're used to seeing, like, multi-million dollar. Like, what does it mean? I don't care how rich you are. Even if you're the highest paid player in the league, $500,000, that's still a significant amount of money. And now they've included coaches who are going to get paid. So that's incited and inspired a lot of people to want to go out there and try to win this thing. Because who cares about the NBA Cup and and all that? But... When there's something involved, when there's something at stake, naturally a competitor wants to go out there and perform well enough to win. And then you throw in the money aspect. I, I think so far it's been a success for the NBA. It's clearly working. And now with the TV contracts coming up, they're going to have the ability to sell this to a network. So I was wrong at first because I thought, uh, this is goofy. Like, who cares? Like, it's just meaningless. But it's working so far. I still think the premise is embarrassing. The fact that you've got to convince you know, high, highly paid athletes to go out there and, and have interest in playing in a regular season. When there are folks out there who are retired, who would do anything to get back to their playing days. When there are people who didn't make it to the NBA, who would, who would love to get an opportunity to play every single night. The fact that we've got to incentivize you to do this is, is pathetic. But the in-season tournament to me so far has worked. And this coming Tuesday is going to conclude the qualifying rounds. You'll get the quarterfinals begin on December 4th and extend it to December 5th. And then I guess that weekend is when you'll have the Final Four happening in Vegas. Uh, But so far, so good. So far, so good. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. So Deontay Banks uh, picks off Mac Jones, who's now thrown his 11th interception of the season. And you want to see Deontay f- uh, finish this season strong. He'll, he'll make a Dory Jackson who won't be here next year expendable. Then you can move him over. Uh, Giants and the Patriots are scoreless in the second quarter. If, if you took the over in this game at 35 and a half, as the great Tom Bauer said during the break to me, you had to have your head examined because this was set up to be an ugly game. I think I heard Mike Tannenbaum, uh, his final score prediction was 13-10, to 10, uh, and, and that's pretty much where everyone was because you thought this is going to be a very low-scoring, unattractive game, two bad teams that just can't get out their own ways, and so far that's what we've seen. That is what we have seen so far. 800-919-3776. Before we get out of here, uh, Tom Brady, remember, he – went on Stephen A. Smith's podcast and talked about how the NFL has changed. And, you know, the, he, he has a lot of negative things to say about the league. So we'll hear from him. And then apparently Alex Smith had to come back to that. So I'm excited to hear that. Haven't heard it yet, but Tom did tell me we have that available. So we'll do that before we get out of here. And I just wanted to mention this. I talked about uh, the Knicks and, you know, what they're going to do going forward. Like who's going to be that next guy 
that they can attract to come to this team because they're in a they're in a good spot now. They're it is as healthy of an organization from an infrastructure infrastructure uh, personnel coaching as we've seen in quite some time. So they've become attractive. And I thought about this name, um, but I didn't say him just because I don't know if they'd be interested. But Spike did mention to me Kawhi Leonard. Uh, he can opt out of his contract with the Clippers and become a free agent. I just don't know. He's great when he's healthy, but the fact, you know, he doesn't play, he's always hurt, and the load management stuff, I don't know if that works here uh, with the Knicks. He would be great. If, if you could promise me Kawhi's going to give you, you know, 65 games and be healthy for the playoffs, I'd absolutely take him. He's not the player he was defensively, uh, but he's still really good on that end. And he's, he's still one of the best offensive players in the league. Efficiency numbers, always high. And he's he's a guy you know you can win a championship with if he's the best player in your team. I just don't know that, given what he is now, if that's the direction they will go in. Let's hit Mike in Brooklyn. What's up, Mike? Hey, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing well, man. What's, what's up with you, bro? I, I want to touch on the Giants and touch on the Yankees a bit, but the, Gi- the Giants coaching is good. We all, we all right coaching. We need players. We need a quarterback. We need to develop our offense a little better. But the defense is showing signs. Like, they could be something. And to touch on the Yankees, Brian Cashman's a bum. We heard him. Real free agents did not come into the Yankees. That's mm. just me. <laughs> I hear you, Mike. I hear you, bro. I, I understand the passion. And, you know, what he said about Stanton, even if you if want to say it's true, which it is, about the injury stuff, that's not something you say, man. That's not something you say about your own players. It just sends a bad message. Cashman is just, uh, he's lost it. He, he has not proven he can be a guy that is capable right now in this new iteration of what the sport has become, driven by analytics, where it's not just about who spends the most money, but it's also about who does it. Uh, the most effective way, given the confines of the, they don't have a salary cap, but there's certain thresholds you can't cross, and you got to put together a, a department with the analytics that's, you know, smart enough and you know, conducive to winning championships. And he has not proven he can do that. Let's hit Artie in Brooklyn. What's up, Artie? Hey, Ty. Thanks for taking the call, man. So you know, you go to the game. I knew they couldn't start um, Zach, and I'm glad they didn't. But now that we saw Boyle, you know, with the offense and stuff, to me, I mean, look, the season's over. The only thing that you could get, number one, is, is Zach's ability to extend the play with his legs. I mean, yeah. the, the offensive line just gives no time for any kind of, like, play down the field. So at least if you could get away from that and, and just, like, extend it, number one. Number two... If he does end up showing anything, maybe you could get some because he's not going to be here next year, obviously, right? Maybe you could get something like what Arizona got for Dobbs. I don't know. <laughs> nah. And I don't know, man. what do you? What, I mean, what you thinking? Like, I, do you think that that does it matter? I mean, should it matter? I think it I should matter. No, listen, Artie, having that quarterback. Yeah, I I, I think it should matter. From the standpoint of, and I appreciate the call, when you are a team that feels like it's that close to contention, every draft pick matters because, like, there's still so many holes to fill. The offensive line, you know, skill position players. Maybe you can add to your defense, your secondary, your safeties, right? 
So it should matter whether it's you know, a sixth round pick, a fifth round pick. And also when you are trying to trade for Devontae Adams this coming offseason, every pick is going to matter. I just don't know that you can throw Zach Wilson out there, man. He's not good. And there's no way he's going to increase his value. Whatever his value is, like the, the, there's going to be no uptick. We've seen it for three years now. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. So I thought it was trolling uh, Brady when he was on Stephen A. Smith's podcast and he talked about like the NFL and how critical he is of how the game has changed. And I'm like, Brady, you've benefited from a lot of these changes. It helped extend your career. There was literally a rule created just because of you fumbling in a big playoff game. Uh, but we all heard that have fun. Here was Alex Smith today on NFL Countdown responding to Brady's comments. Listen, first off, let me just preface this. I love Tom, the GOAT. First off, he hasn't been retired that long. He was just playing. Like, he just won a Super Bowl in the current game. Like, is he discounting that one? And then, my, my biggest complaint with this, he played in the most uncompetitive division, I think, in NFL history. <laughs> I mean, you come out of training camp, the biggest cupcake division, you got a ticket to the playoffs right away. Like, talk about mediocre. I completely disagree with this. I know he's, he's referencing the rule changes over the middle to the receiver, but in my opinion, I think the game's gotten better. There's more parity across the league quarterback play is at an all-time high I think across the league like the best you've got the best athletes playing the position we didn't have this 30 40 years ago listen he's referencing also that offense is down right like the numbers this year to me I kind of think we're in a golden age of D linemen man I actually feel a gut punch there where he's uh, ripping on the AFC East because yeah that's six wins every year for Brady six wins every year uh coming up after me we will have the great Larry Hardesty doing his Sunday drive edition of the program and I guarantee you this it's going to be better than what you would have gotten if the Jets had played today. Because Larry's not going to leave you miserable and you know, punching walls. He's going to leave you entertained. And I'm honored to bring him on the show today for a little crosstalk. It's been a while since we had done this. Uh, so, hello, Larry Hardesty. Happy Thanksgiving to you, sir. Is this lightning without thunder? <laughs> the radio version? Lightning without thunder. <laughs> and, man, it, it, you know, it was important for me to do this, too, because I wanted to express to you, uh, you're someone I'm very thankful for. I would not be in this position if not for a lot of what you afforded me, bringing me on your show, coaching me up, allowing me to do uh, different things and giving me all the pieces of advice. So I appreciate you, brother. Well, I appreciate that, uh, Ty. Alan Hahn and I kind of took you as, as uh, you did. You know, two dads <laughs> with, with one <laughs> child fighting over our, our kid. Uh, but you know what? That's that's what happened to me years ago when I started. And, you <laughs> How know, many years? Don't, no, 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 no. We lost connection. How many years? Uh, same connection. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say this. I've seen some things. How about that, Ty? I've seen some things. Uh, man, have you seen the Jets? Uh, was it that long ago? The Jets won a, uh, a Super Bowl. Were you alive for that? Ty, um, I was around for that Super Bowl. And the interesting thing about that Super Bowl was I was not into football at that time, as you can imagine. Oh, man. But <laughs> I had a school project, elementary school project, of my English teacher asked me to watch the Super Bowl and write about it. Ooh. That's and that's I guess that's how I got started in the sports wow. casting back then. So but the, I was told in in what, fourth grade I think it was write and then write a uh, watch the Super Bowl write an article about it and turn it in. Wow! So the Jets started your sports casting career. Jets started my sports casting. How about career. that? Yep. Something Isn't you that amazing. That's amazing. What do you got cooking for us today, man? Because I'll be listening to you driving home. 
Well, I appreciate that, Ty. We're going to get people talking about the rest of the National Football League because it's what we do on the drive. We always get you caught up on all the scores. And I've got an interesting thought process for both the Jets and Giant fans because I was thinking about this this morning, and it's unfortunate, Ty, but they're both in the same situation right now, and I want to figure out what's the best way to get out of this situation. So we're going to talk to them about that and some Knicks as well. Larry, doesn't it feel like you're doing the same show you've been doing for years? Like, we're talking about two bad football teams. Like, enough already. Un- make it stop. Can somebody make it stop? <laughs> I hope so, because it's funny. It transcends, uh, you know, administrations. Like, Man. it's not the one administration doing the same thing. Like, everybody's coming in and out, and nothing's changed. It's scary. You got to move from MetLife, man. I think that's what it is. Like, can we move to, like, PA or something? <laughs> well, you know, some people will tell you that the Jets, you know, Joe Namath made a deal with the devil to get uh, that Super Bowl, and yeah. you guys are paying for it. Yeah, let's undo that. <laughs> Quickly, Larry, because you got your show coming up. How amazing is this? This is a question I'm going to pose to you. Mm-hmm. Who wins more games this year, the Jets or the Giants? I'm going to say the Giants. You know why? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? You know why? Yeah, because I think they can score. Oh, man. I'm sad. Not today, but I think they can score. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a bad one. Uh, but Larry Hart, yo, appreciate you hopping on the show, man. My Happy pleasure, Thanksgiving my to you and yours.